You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Sharon has been a military spouse for 18 years and she is an Air Force veteran. She served in the Air Force for three and a half years and was a information manager. It was a split role of admin work and IT. It also allowed her to work with a variety of people from crew chiefs to supply personnel. She is still involved in the military as a key spouse for her husband's squadron and being part of a few of the military spouse groups on base. She also writes a blog to help military spouses understand and cope with military life called The Veteran Spouse. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for inviting me, Amanda. My first question is, why did you decide to join the military? Well, honestly, it's going to seem a little silly, but I wanted to see the world. Um, So I joined the military to do that. And then I ended up back in California, which is where I'm from. So that was interesting. And then I just kind of wanted to... When I said I was going to join the military, because it's either the Air Force or the Marines, which total opposites, I know. But when I said I was going to join, a lot of people were like, you're going to join the military? What? Because I'm only like five foot one and I'm a girl. And so there was that misconception. So I was like, I want to go join the military to show people that a girl can join the military. That's kind of cool. So you're from California and you ended up getting stationed there? Yeah. (laughs) So I was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base. It's like this very deserty place it was it, it was california. nice though it's very solitude a lot of solitude but yeah i'm from california we were at la air force base before we were in virginia so i know cool. where edwards is i've even been to edwards yeah. we were talking a little bit before i hit record and you said that you served during september 11th can you talk a little bit about like you joined in 2000 and then september 11th happened and then what it was like after. So it's kind of like a three-part question. Yeah, so I mean, so before, you know, it was really lax, and it wasn't really lax, it was still the military, but, you know, we we had, like, decals on our cars, and OPSEC wasn't, it's still, it was still a thing, but it wasn't as big before. But then after September 11th happened, every a lot of things changed where, you know, they, they closed different gates. Um, so, because... There are different entrances and things, so now they they have closed gates, and you know you have to be a lot more careful. And they, you know, they brief. Oh, you know, if you're especially if you're overseas, you know, don't you know say they have like NFL jerseys and things like that to to, to signify that you're American or you could be military. So it was a lot more of that after September 11th, and then the actual day that it happened, it was like you know, everybody's going about their, their day, like everybody, um, you know, not that civilians as well. But then when you throw in the people in the military, well, we're the people that we had to deal with the fact that there was no flying and we had to make sure everything was locked down and we had to make sure that everything was good to go because there was the, those F-16 escorts with, you know, the, the president at that time and we, he couldn't land. So there was that, just that it was a good, week of just 12 hour shit probably more than that probably 14 16 hour shifts people got called recalled off of leave i was the one that did that we had to make sure that you know everybody came back in if they weren't like out of state because obviously if they're out of state they couldn't fly back um so yeah it was just very intense during that time and you had to make sure everything was 
good to go and everything was safe and you know you didn't violate OPSEC in any way so and that was really interesting for me being a 19 year old girl so it was a lot of pressure and then yeah so that was during September 11th and then after the, the you just saw a lot of changes to the military because there was more deployments because we had especially the Air Force we didn't really deploy as much it was the longest uh, peacetime uh, period ever and then after September 11th just things had to kick up but then the systems weren't in place to that had they didn't have the effort infrastructure to make sure that you could call your spouse back home <laughs> so it was a period of time when I didn't hear from my husband for like a month and a half when he deployed yeah it was very interesting it was a lot of building up and now I feel like we are at a point where well, technically the war has ended. People are still playing and things, but, you know, the war has technically ended. So um, things are kind of dying down, but there's a good system in place when people deploy now. So, yeah, it seems like the military, I didn't really think about like what the military did before September 11th. Like, I don't even know if I, if I knew that they really existed because I have like no military background. Mm -hmm. And then it was like in your face, like, oh, we have this military and they're ready to fight. And so... I never really thought about like how they would be preparing and like ready for war, but not actually like having to like doing exercises and that sort of thing. Did you do stuff like that? So you were ready. Yeah. All the like little details of when you actually go overseas have to be worked out and figured out. It's right. different when you train at home than when you go overseas. Yeah. So you talked about your husband a little bit. When did you and your husband meet? So we actually met, it was weird because we met uh, several different times, but then one time we actually like finally actually started dating. We, we met at the chow hall, surprisingly, or the DFAC. <laughs> You're not the first um, person who told me that. So that's <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not, I mean, it's not like you make romantic movies out of like, and there he was getting his, you know, cheeseburger in the chow hall line. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> So, but yeah, that's kind of how we met. And then I saw him then we started talking. Um, it's really funny. He tells the story a lot better than I do. But basically, he saw me in the, um, in the chow hall and he's like, no, that's my food. And he um, kind of pushed me out of the way, but like playfully. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> so he sat down or he got his food and he was sitting down first. And I went to go sit down and I kind of went by him because I didn't, I didn't realize what he was doing. So then he sat by me and um, it's kind of how things started off. And we had issues like with phones because at Edwards, like there were like, my phone wasn't working for some reason because, you know, I was in the dorms and sometimes they, sometimes they just, things break at the dorms. So, <laughs> and so he, we had an issue where he was, he wasn't able to call me and we eventually saw each other again at a dorm party and that's kind of how we got together. So yeah, and then we've been together ever since. So you guys were both on active duty when you met and stationed at Edwards? Yes. And what was his career field? Or I guess he's still in, so what is his career field? So he's a backshop, F-15 backshop avionics. Okay. So that makes sense why he would be deployed, because, right? Yeah. He's doing, like, IT tech stuff, and I'm sure deployments still happen in that arena, but the first people to go would be the people supporting the aircraft so that makes sense. yeah yeah and there was it, there was always talks of me deploying but it just it never happened because I mean it's just 
it's the luck of the draw. I mean, I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it just, you are in the right place at the right time. That's how you get to go. And then, and you weren't in very long. You were only in for three and a half years. And over a year and a half of that was at peacetime, right? Yeah. So it wasn't until like the latter, yeah, like a year and a half. Did you face any struggles while serving in the military? Um, well, I, th- I mean, I think there's that still that mentality of, oh, well, you know, she's a little girl or she's a small girl. So that, I mean, people didn't necessarily expect as much from me, I guess, or they didn't expect a lot out of me. Um, so that was a little frustrating. But if I'm honest, though, like everybody's very, okay, so I worked with crew chiefs <laughs> from my first duty station. And so that was very interesting to have that dynamic. They're, you know, very macho, very like forthcoming so that was interesting but they were never rude or they ne- they never okay well they weren't ever ridiculously rude they would still curse and, and make cr- crazy jokes and things like that but they were never like mean or rude towards me personally so but yeah and I personally am just kind of a very chill person um and I actually so that was an interesting dynamic of trying to deal with with them and then with my personality so but I mean we've got along fairly well so and then like I said it's very interesting to see the differences because supply or um, logistics is a very different career field and it's more they're not as um, like macho and like just I don't know well, I mean, there's, they're, they're called crew chiefs for a reason. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, and they have that stereotype for that. But, you know, you got to love what they do because they're out on the flight line, whether it's hot, cold, whatever. So, but they're just the rough and tumbly maintenance bunch. So, and then you get the other side where they're not as, you know, as they're a little bit more professional, I guess. So uh, I think that was more of a struggle for me because I'm, I put myself off as more professional and then just trying to prove myself and that I could do things that um, everybody else could, so. So it sounds like they kind of treated you like everyone else. It wasn't, it wasn't like they were, were they harder on you because you were a female, or did they just treat you like one of the guys? Yeah, so, so they mostly kind of treated me as one of the guys, but I think that could be difficult depending on what career field you are, because I saw a lot of the women that were in the actual maintenance career fields where they had to like so weapons you have to lift the the heavy stuff so I'm sure it was harder for them and there weren't that many of them uh when I was when I was in back in the 2000 early 2000s so it was a lot harder for them for me there it was um not as difficult I would say because a lot of the people that were in my career field were also women and of course you did have like men too but yeah I mean everybody is pretty nice and pretty understanding but there there is that dynamic of like you know they'd make a little bit more fun of you because you are a short girl (laughs) so and I still see that now actually um there's a with the women that are that are in currently so but yeah just they make fun of you more I guess (laughs) well I think you're an easy target because you stand out I was reading an article that talked about how women in the military because they're fewer like they're the minority they they stand out with almost anything they do because it's just the way it is and it's not they don't have to do anything just being a female yeah there is that element of you do have to prove yourself a little bit more in that 
you you are you know there aren't as many of us or at least especially back in my when I was in so like you really if you couldn't you had to really try to not do anything bad because then that would kind of follow you so I think that's important advice for any female that's considering joining the military or is very early in their career is that the things that you do you need to make sure that you think about what you do before because it's going to stay with you and people somehow seem to circulate around when you're in the military and so you might have changed from who you were when you were an airman but they still remember the story so it's really important to think about what choices you make and how it'll affect you in the years to come. Yeah, definitely. How do you think the military affected you as a person? Well, I know for a fact it made me grow. I I like the the I liked basic and how it challenged me and it made me do things that I didn't ever really think I could do. So, you know, the physical part of it, the mental part of it, just kind of going through um, that process. Because I, like I said, I did have a lot of people say, hey, you know, I'm, how are you going to go through the military and go through basic? So there was a little bit of that, a little bit of self-doubt, but then I'm pretty, pretty confident in myself. I'm like, yeah, I can do it. I'm tough. So, but yeah, so it, it helped me grow in that way. And then with, as far as the job that I went into, that really helped me because it was, the whole reason I actually picked that job is because it sounded cool to me. I was like, information manager, I'm going to like gather all this information. I thought it was going to be kind of spy-like. It wasn't spy-like at all. I was like a secretary slash help desk person. So, <laughs> But I like the, um, the admin side of it because I could, you know, do very detail-oriented tasks. And I kind of, that's kind of when I discovered how detail-oriented I was and kind of propelled me along that journey to help me. I'm still kind of figuring out my path as to what I'm going to do when I grow up, but um, it's helping me help me perpetuate where I wanted to go and what I wanted out of my life. Sounds like it did a lot for you. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say your favorite memory is from your military experience? Hmm, my favorite memory. So I'm going to have to say when, so we got stationed in um, Okinawa, Japan about I was, it was about my second, third year. It was my third year in, um, like second, third year. And so, so we got stationed there and I like the camaraderie that there is with overseas locations. Um, you know, the shop was really great that I was in and, you know, they did, did a baby shower and everything when I left and there was just a lot of camaraderie. So I think that was probably my, my favorite time and favorite memory. We worked a lot, like there were a lot of exercises and 12 hour shifts, like, you know, every day, but there was at least that camaraderie and that community more so overseas. And you were there after September 11th? Yes. What kind of exercises did you guys do? Was it just like preparing to go to war or... So, yeah, I mean, basically, so, you know, you have your, you know, where you put on your, your, your chem gear, you know, and then recalls and make sure that we can recall quickly and get everybody in when we're supposed to and doing, you know, basically kind of doing your job in chem gear, you get the pencils of the typewriter and all that. And then just different scenarios where like, oh, somebody has invaded the building or, you know, you have, you know, injured people and they play injured or, you know, that kind of thing. So but yeah, it was like every, but like every couple weeks sometimes. <laughs> and your husband and you both were able to get stationed there, right? Yeah. So they try to station married military members together. Uh, it's called uh, 
joint assignment. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we were lucky in that, but I mean, there's always that possibility of like, yeah, you know, he might have to go somewhere um, that I can't go, especially he didn't, he didn't, doesn't have as many options as, as I did as far as what bases he could go to. So, cause I could really go anywhere cause I didn't have to work on a plane. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, my husband's career field's really limited. Yeah. What is his? Um, He's a developmental engineer. Gotcha. Okay. He does research and development for the Air Force. And you mentioned, I was listening, that they threw a baby shower for you when you got out of the Air Force. So I'm guessing you left the military because you had kids. Yes, that is that is it. Um, so it was really weird how this all happened because I know there's always that misconception of like, oh, you know, she's getting out because she's, she has, a, or so she got a pregnant, so she get out of the military. Like, no, that is not what happened at all. Um, my husband got back from a deployment. And so I got pregnant. So we, well, obviously, you know, <laughs> um, but I got pregnant after I found out that we got orders because we were like, oh, we didn't know that we were getting orders overseas. So we, like, I was already pregnant before I got the orders. And then we found out. And I'm like, oh, well, we, you know, we have orders, so we're going to wait. And I'm like, no, you're already pregnant. <laughs> so it's weird how that all happened. But yeah, so um, yeah, I did get out because it would have been very difficult, I think, to try to manage taking care of kids and a household and still maintaining my um, Air Force career. So we just decided to, you know, have one person stay at home especially since we were overseas, we'd have to fly our baby back stateside to get watched by mom or by either my mom or his mom. So we were like, yeah, let's not do that. So I did get out for that reason. So and I'm grateful they have that option. Yeah, that's, I left when my first son was born because yeah. it's hard being dual military and I, people do it and I'm like amazed it but I always when I find out more of their stories I find out that they have help or they have the system in place or just worked out for them because they did this and they did that and I'm like oh so there's always more to the story but it's still it's very challenging and really difficult and so I think there's a lot of I've been finding there's a lot of female veterans who are military spouses because that's kind of what happens you get to a point where you're have to decide if the sacrifice is worth staying in or if you should get out and sometimes it's easier to just get out and be a military spouse yeah that is true uh, and I'm, I don't I know there are, I don't have any regrets as far as getting out because I know that was the best thing for our family and I think that's something that women need to understand like just across the board whether it's getting out of the military or staying in or working or not working or breastfeeding or not breastfeeding, you have to do what's right for your family. And if you have the circumstances that allows you to be able to stay in the military, then you know, and you want to do that, then you stay in. If you don't have those resources or it's just not right for your family, then you need to take care of your family or at least try to as much as you can. Because, <laughs> you know, mission comes first, obviously. <laughs> I agree with that. I think that every family has their own dynamics and what works for one family might not work for another and so you shouldn't compare like your situation you should make a decision on what you're going to do based on what's the best thing for your family and not worry about 
well, so-and-so did this and they were fine. It's like, well, they're not you and maybe it's not the best choice for you. I agree with that. What was it like to transition out of the military? You went from being in the military, you were overseas, and then you became a stay-at-home mom. Was it, what was that like? So it was interesting in the, I got out when I was about seven, eight months pregnant. And so I didn't, there was no transition into being a mom yet. I was kind of at home doing nothing. So I, you, you kind of feel like a sense of like, okay, what, what am I going to do now? Like I, what, what, what am I going to do today? Like the house is already clean because you don't have a kid messing it up yet. <laughs> so like, that the couple of months between like that when I first got out was a little interesting. I felt a little bit lost my footing. I didn't really know my way. But after I had my daughter, it kind of fell more into place and I felt like I had a purpose. And honestly, I just took on that military spouse role, like military spouse role, mom role, like I just took it on. And I honestly I forgot about my veteran status a little bit because there weren't as many women most of the women I knew they were still staying in and so yeah there there wasn't as big of a prior military spouse population um from when I was coming up there was like another one other one but um so that was a little bit of a challenge I guess which I, I really appreciate that you have this program to have people tell their stories is you know, after I got out and being in the military community, even overseas is like, okay, you just turn into a spouse, like you're not in anymore. So that's it. Um, and so nobody really ever talked about my military experience after I got out. I never really brought it up. Um, we were talking a little bit before where, you know, my husband would tap me whenever they were saying, hey, uh, stand up if you're a veteran. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a veteran. So that it, it's, it was an interesting dynamic. It's actually a little bit sad because I'm not really talking about it as much until now, especially with my blog and with this interview. So that's a really great thing. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, one of the reasons that I wanted to continue telling stories was because when I first did the deployment series, one of the last questions was, what do people say when they found out you deployed and most of the women were like nobody knows I deployed and I was like nobody knows but then I was like no one would know if I didn't have a blog because I don't talk about it like at parties I'm not like hey no. I deployed I don't bring <laughs> it up I bring it up more than I think I would if I had just left the military and not went into like the blogging arena and so I think it's a common thing is that when you get out of the military especially if you like transition into like military spouse or you're not connected into the like military programs that are mainly geared toward men. So it's easy to like forget our service because we don't talk about it. And it's not something that we can in the past, I would say it's more, I think it's starting to change, but yeah, you don't really have the opportunity to connect with other female veterans and all the, I like steered clear of anything veteran when I left the military because it just didn't appeal to me because as a female I was like I don't want to go hang out with a bunch of guys like that's true yeah so, <laughs> yeah so that's why I started so it makes me really glad to hear your story I have another question about your transition what ways would you recommend military veterans who are now military spouses get involved because I feel like you've gotten really involved in the military spouse community and kind of like forgot 
your veteran part. So what would you suggest is a good way for military veterans, male or female, to get involved in the military spouse community? Well, I think a lot of times we have a this is not to say, because I hate the spouse, like, oh, you're, or the, the, the saying, oh, you're just a spouse, like, that is not true, like, it is a difficult job. It's just, it's, they're both difficult jobs, it, and it's, you can't say one is harder than the other, like, they're just both hard in a different way. But I would just say, as veterans, we just understand military terminology easier and, and in a deeper uh, manner than a lot of the military spouses do, so if we can kind of help explain some of those terms or help explain what deployments are like or why your husband or your wife is working late you know that I think that is a good way to kind of remember our service and still help like the military spouse community without over like I don't know this I think it's actually probably a bad thing I'm saying this because you don't want to over talk about your service, but honestly, like everybody should be proud of it and you should talk about it. So I guess you can talk about it however you want to, but I think that would be helpful. Just kind of helping military spouses understand the deeper dynamics of how the military works. And then we can still help the people that are in, like there's uh, women, there's actually a lot of women in my husband's shop right now. Like by a lot, I mean like three because <laughs> it's maintenance so right, they many, <laughs> yeah and so usually it's like they have like one woman in the shop maybe um so but they have like th- i think three or four right now but you can help them along and say hey you know this is what i did when i was a young um airman you know maybe you can try and, and engage and connect with them because it's difficult for them too and we we can connect with a lot of people, you know, on the veteran side and the spouse side. One of the reasons I like writing so much is because sometimes I read things that military spouses say about themselves, about like how not important their job is. And like, yeah. and I'm like, no, I've done both. They're both hard. Like <laughs> stop beating yourself up and being so mean. Like it's really hard to stay behind. And I, one of the things that is annoying about being a veteran is like you know all that like mission stuff so like when my husband comes home with a good opportunity and it means he's going to be gone I'm just like go (laughs) (laughs) I don't really want him to but I know like all the back workings like we were talking about where I'm just like like (laughs) I don't really want you to because I know it'll make my life harder but I know all the like behind the working stuff and why this needs to happen for your career and so I think it's good to talk about those things because without military experience or like being a it makes it so that we have a different perspective and we can my last question is what would you tell girls who are considering joining the military I would tell them to do it um I think it is a lot more female friendly now um as far as even like when you're thinking about if you did decide you want to stay in and you wanted to have a child and, and all that, it's a it's a lot more like female friendly, <laughs> I should say. Um, you, you get more time to recover. You get um, a little bit more of the advantages than I would have had when I was coming in um, as far as that. Um, and I think it is definitely something that you can do. It It gives you a really great opportunity to get some um, education under your belt while you're in and then you can use 
your GI Bill when you're out to do that and you get all kinds of benefits and it's a really great jump start. And it lets you help people in a way that not everybody can do. Because not everybody can join the military, but if you think you can do that, you need to go see your recruiter and sign up and, you know, and give it a shot. Thank you for being a guest this week on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get Women of the Military podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show onto all the apps people like to listen to? How much will it cost to get started? And how will I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So, if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go for it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in the military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served in the military or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmentomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military.